2: Something I've been thinking about is, I think you sometimes think of yourself as a late starter in terms of your career.
1: That's not like an opinion I have. That's a fact. If you start at 35, you're a late starter.
2: But one aspect of your life in which you're not a late starter is spring cleaning. Because you're not waiting for spring.
1: No. No. I don't even know how it happened.
2: The the fever just took you.
1: The fever took me. We have these sort of cubby holes in our house, which makes us sound like a pack of losers. But actually, they're like a very nice design component of our home. Do cubby holes
2: equal loser?
1: If I was listening to a podcast and someone was like, "Yes, we've got these like cubby holes," I'd go, be like, "Go suck a dick!" Like that's so annoying. <laughs> a cubby hole is a thing that you have in primary school or at nursery. So to then be an adult to be like, "So there's this little area in our home where we've got our cubby holes" sounds so stupid and embarrassing. In fact, it's just a very ingenious use of space. <laughs> and we just have this home. We just don't know where anything is. Everything makes us angry because it's like, "Where's the umbrellas?" I don't know. Fucking find the umbrellas. Do you know where the headphones are? I don't. Like we can't ever find anything. And I just had. A moment where i thought it ends tonight
2: how many bags of rubbish do you think you've put out
1: to answer your question i think like 27 or something crazy like that <laughs> um anyway our kitchen is now a joy the dry storage a joy all my kitchen cabinets a joy it was the great purification that's what i, I kept thinking as i was in it i was like this is the great purification and then uh, just on a whim i was in such an intense mode that on a whim I dismantled the entire tree.
2: I had a little nap on the sofa. And when I woke up, the tree was gone. The ornaments were away.
1: As he was falling asleep, Jeff was like, I can help. And I'm like, you make it worse. Like, you only complicate the problem. (laughs) Whereas leave this completely to me and I will get it done so quickly and be so angry. (laughs) When it's over. But I did it.
2: Now we have a major guest for you on this episode.
1: Before we started this podcast, we wrote down these sort of dream lists in terms of like major British television writers and major British stars. And this lady was number one on the list of stars, even though she is also one of the great British writers as well.
2: Daisy May Cooper. Triple threat, writing, acting and comic chops as herself because whenever she goes on a chat show a panel show she, she just destroys she is so funny and she's the team captain on a new itv game show i say new this is actually one of the classic american game show formats it's been going since 1961 it was voted number eight in the top 60 game shows ever by tv guide Ooh. And we're getting a British version. It's a little bit more sarcastic and barbed. Hence, Daisy May Cooper being one of the team captains and Alan Carr being the other very classy host as well, Stephen Mangan.
1: Oh, this is very high-end sounding.
2: Yeah. So that is coming to ITV1 and ITVX very soon. And our guest on this episode is only Daisy May Cooper. Quick watch.
1: So I picked a film this week. However, I've justified this choice because it is available on Amazon Prime. I watched Saltburn.
2: So I have to admit, I didn't fancy it. And, and it's because I've got a chip on my shoulder about posh people. It's about posh people, right?
1: Yes, it is about posh people. What if it's a skewering of the posh people?
2: Depends how many posh people I have to look at.
1: You have to look at so many.
2: I think I can live without it, but persuade me.
1: I hate when people say persuade me. It's like, do a dance, little monkey. That's <laughs> yeah, what people
2: okay. I'm hate. sorry. Yeah, that was an awful thing. A friend thing of mine said this
1: like decades ago. She went, I fucking hate when someone goes, I love having my mind changed because all that means is you like a fucking show <laughs> for you. And I thought, that's correct. Yeah. So I fucking loved it. So it opens and we see a working class boy who is starting Oxford. He's an outcast. He doesn't fit in. Everyone's wealthy. And we he desires this gorgeous, posh boy. He eventually befriends him and then is invited to the family estate, which is the titular Saltburn. When I started it, I could see it, it said that the running time was two hours and 11 minutes. And I was like, motherfucker. It needed every minute of that wow. to get the story told. It was
2: so phenomenal. So what was disturbing about it then?
1: Oh, wow. Where to begin? Okay. So two things are disturbing about it. Number one. <laughs>
2: Where to begin and then it turns out there are there two, two things. Where to begin
1: and then are, that as it turns out there are two things. So number one, it's intended to be disturbing. It's very sexual, Mm -hmm. but it's also so disgusting. What is
2: it, depraved? They're doing depraved things.
1: You know, I don't want to kink shame these fucking pervs, but I think (laughs) that a little bit of what happens is some kinky shit. But it's just, it's also just...
2: So Saltburn is the name of the house... Yes. And how posh is it? Are we talking a bit of a country pile or are we talking downtown Abbey?
1: No, we're talking downtown Abbey. I have no British countryside fantasy, which you know, because early in our courtship, you had a friend who had a countryside home. And I always felt the attitude that you and the homeowner brought to it were like, a weekend in the countryside. Whereas I thought, that sounds awful. (laughs) And I actually, I don't know that I initially thought it sounded awful. I think I thought... I'm having British adventures. I'll go to the countryside, rolling hills. And then we went out there and I was like, this is disgusting. Like, this guy's got money. Hire a fucking cleaner, motherfucker.
2: That's one thing they got so right in succession though with Lady Caroline's house that it was a, a bit smelly mm. and and all the food tasted like roadkill.
1: Yes. And then like, here's my problem with it. The attitude is mikasa esukasa, relax, enjoy. This is our house. We have people over. It's an open door. We don't lock our doors. So there was some point where I thought he keeps saying relax and you know, <laughs> enjoy yourself. So what I would do is I'd get a tea. I mean I'd get a fucking coffee, but there's no fucking coffee here. There's like fucking tea. <laughs> So I'll make myself a tea and go read my book. And then he like made a fucking snide comment about me being antisocial. It's like, oh, well, I guess Sarah's um, a little too busy to speak to all of us. And I was like, you're a cunt. We could say this person isn't your friend anymore. I wouldn't speak this freely. But like it just it was so my problem with the countryside experience as I have had it (laughs) is that you are constantly told to relax And every time you fucking try to relax, you're judged for it. And oh my God, the mattresses. (laughs) When I, so the first night we sit in this mattress that essentially collapses onto us as we lay on it. Like it comes up at the side. It's this performance of luxury that is actually just fucking exhausting to deal with. Before we finish on Saltburn, anyone we might know in it? Rosamund Pike plays the mom. Richard E. Grant plays the dad of this one posh boy. So it's like the two sort of leads. The lead is the working class boy. Barry Keoghan, he's Irish. He was unbelievable. The posh boy is played by someone whose name I can't remember and I don't care, but he's very pretty. Anyway, I thought it was fucking fantastic. Some of the lines that the posh people are saying are so Funny. And as someone who doesn't know that world, I just got the sense that it is really smartly, sharply drawn.
2: My Quick Watch is based on a true story. That's the name of it. And if you're in the UK and you have Sky, it's it's highlighted on the front page of Sky at the moment. But I think it's been out for a while. And I would say it lives in the same box as only Murders in the Building, in that it's light. And it's about people becoming embroiled in a true crime podcast. In this case, it is a couple in Los Angeles who suspect that their plumber is a serial killer, the West Side Ripper. I'll tell you what's a bit triggering for me about this show. It's a couple who start a podcast and then it becomes wildly successful and they they start making big bucks off of it.
1: Oh, I thought it was going to be triggering that he used to be something and wasn't anymore. (laughs) I genuinely, and that's not how I think of you, but I I genuinely thought that's where you were going.
2: Yeah, well, no, that was triggering because it's not like he used to be a real thing. It's like he looked like um, something might happen with his career and it never quite did. It's because
1: he hurt his knee.
2: Right. What's my excuse?
1: The landscape shifted. Did you like seeing a plumber portrayed? Because you really like your attitude towards plumbers. I know what is... I
2: know what you're getting at. I know what you're getting at. Jeff
1: has a little high horse he likes to get onto, which is he only hires female plumbers. Now, you're thinking, oh, it's because he's afraid Sarah's going to want to fuck a plumber. As we all know in real life, none of us want to fuck a plumber. Like, I feel like the sort of the stereotypical hottie is the handyman.
2: Would you agree? You know, I worked in a video shop for a while. Of course there was some soft-core pornography in there, one of which was called Two Lesbians and a Plumber.
1: <laughs> and
2: I remember not watching it, but seeing the case and thinking, so what is the plumber doing then? <laughs> And then I'm thinking, am I being gendered? Am I just assuming that the plumber was a man? And he was a man. And
1: he was a man. And you've spent your whole adult life correcting that because we had an issue with a toilet. You'd, we don't need to tell you what happened. But it was an emergency, as it always is with a toilet. <laughs> and Jeff was like, I, I found someone. And he didn't say he was pleased with himself. He was just... It was like you thought you were at fucking Emmeline Pankhurst or something. <laughs> the way you were moving around our house... And then it turned out that it was a woman, and she's very in demand because we live in a neighborhood where a bunch of fucking people are also thrilled with themselves for their lady plumber, (laughs) so you can never get her over. Thank God we have (laughs) high-functioning toilets. And it's like, I would have liked that you've done it if only you weren't so in love with yourself already for having done it. (laughs) Even if you'd come downstairs and said, I just, I just um, hired a lady plumber, I'm so pleased with myself. I would have gone, oh my God, totally, that's amazing. It was that you were pleased with yourself without saying it.
2: And just to wrap up this show based on a true story, here's what I think, and I think you're with me on this. I pressed play thinking I'll be turning this off within 10 minutes. And it kept me watching. This isn't high-end television, but it is pretty watchable.
1: Yes, and I I was stunned. It's such a far-fetched idea no spoilers, no spoilers, that I thought this will be stupid. And it was, but it was like, it was also pretty smart and we both laughed more than we thought we would.
2: So if you want a bit of a diversion, this is the thing to watch.
1: Something easy.
2: But the thing we're obsessed with, uh, however, we've already talked about it on the podcast, is The Curse. And and if you haven't watched that, we're like nine or ten episodes in now and it's just brilliant. We'd love to hear from you. Two for two on those shows we just talked about. Listener recommendations.
1: We listen to you sometimes, and any time could be the time.
2: I feel like I'm on slightly thin ice here, but is there a type of person you either will always watch or won't watch at all? You know, like me and not really wanting to watch things about posh people, but I can't get enough of the nouveau riche.
1: You don't bring the same resentments to them.
2: No. I feel they're being mocked from all sides.
1: So in a way, they feel lower to you than you.
2: No one feels lower to me than me. And are you like me? Is there anything that you consider too triggering? Not in an actually dark and psychological disturbing way, but for example, how it is annoying to me to watch a married couple making a hit podcast and rolling in the moolah.
1: And an also-ran.
2: Plus more recommendations. Please keep feeding our eyes so we can keep feeding your ears. The email address is...
1: Fuck off at normcore.com. Oh, well, I'll tell you what happened. I went into that inbox. I said, hello. And he went, hello, mommy. (laughs) I said, how's my big boy? You went, I've got a full belly. We had this lovely little rush of Patreon supporters. Don't know why. Maybe we'll get into that when we return to the inbox later. What I said to people was, I'm respectful of boundaries. It's January. You don't have any money. We get it so I'm not talking to you if you're skint at the moment. I am calling you to action in the month of Jan if you are rich. Give us three pounds a month if you're rich, because these other fuckers can't do it right now, and you know all about my things. And in addition, I hesitate to even tell you this, across two years I've been doing our front garden, like little bits and pieces as and when, And Jeff told me that my relationship with the guy who's helping do the front garden is, like, too involved.
2: Yes, you've become too embroiled with it. He and I
1: are too embroiled. And so I'm trying to, like, constantly prove to you that that's wrong. But in fact, I've had a further embroilment. And he got in touch to be like, I would like to recommend to you that you get these covers for your hedge. Because just to be on the safe side, don't leave them exposed when it gets below freezing.
2: Like little jumpers for them.
1: Essentially, we're going to put jumpers on the front hedge. (laughs) Now, I think this is bullshit, but I was like, that fucking hedge was expensive. So I'm just going to bite the bullet and I think all of the little jumpers for all my little plants are going to cost like a total of 50 pounds. I need like five that are (sighs) 10. So who among you will stand and be counted (laughs) to pay for my jumpers for my front hedge? This guy's (laughs) swinging around. I owe him fucking 50 pounds for the jumpers, okay?
2: I love how modest the ambition is.
1: People like the devil in the details. When you give to a proper charity and you know this child is going to have this clean water because of my two pounds. (laughs) Great. This lady is going to be able to buy five jumpers for her five plants that are comprising her front (laughs) end.
2: (laughs) Patreon.com stroke they like to watch. And coming up later, she's going to be a team captain on the British adaptation of the American institution game show Password. This seems to be a real thing. These American shows which have been around for decades like this and Jeopardy. I noticed we're getting now in the UK with Graham Norton. I think they've tried it a couple of times over the years, but it's never caught over here.
1: Let me just think about this. Really old idea. Really famous host. God, I love the innovation of television. (laughs) I mean, I bet all these shows will be good. I will watch Graham Norton host Jeopardy! But I just feel like it makes me want to put my head through a brick fucking wall at the same time as being excited.
2: (laughs) But I promise you... This is a genuinely funny twist on a classic idea. Daisy May Cooper, Alan Carr, Stephen Mangan bring Password to the UK and we talk to Daisy later on the podcast. All right, laters, traitors. They're back. Why are we talking about traitors? And answer me this, are we doing it to persuade people who is snooty about reality TV that they should give it a go or are we giving the people who are watching traitors somewhere to put the feelings both it is just better than other reality shows isn't it
1: it is and i think it's because it's forced honesty something culturally happens for british people when they're allowed to like say what they actually fucking think do you think it's
2: even worth trying to do the breakdown Of of the mechanics of the game.
1: No. Here's, I think, all we need to say for people who have not watched. A bunch of people show up at a Scottish castle. Claudia Winkleman is hosting. It's the role she was born for. You already think you've seen her in the role she was born for. You haven't until you've seen the traitors, okay? All these people are divided into traitors and faithfuls. It's mostly faithfuls and then a few traitors. And then the game is about the the traitors keeping themselves secrets and the faithful working out who the traitors are.
2: Have we ever talked on this podcast about the time you worked with Claudia Winkleman?
1: I don't know, but we should tell it again. (laughs) Okay, so I worked with Claudia Winkleman. Let me tell you everything. So I don't want to brag, but it's relevant to the narrative. I have been on would I lie to you? Now I was um what's called a standby booking. So like I wasn't good enough to go on the show, but it was in COVID and they were like, you know, they needed to have people ready. And I was sleeping on the sofa at about two in the afternoon, and my phone rang, and it was my agent, and she went, You're gonna be on what I lie to you. Mo Gilligan was in a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to get to like Elstree Studios in an hour and a half. So I get there and Claudia Winkleman is one of the other panelists. So it is so fucking high status, right? It's her and the other guys and they're so nice. And then I did well in the record, but I didn't like... You didn't I, knock it out of the park, sir? I didn't knock it out of the <laughs> park. I didn't think I knocked it out of you the didn't park. You didn't blow the roof off? No, I don't think I blew the roof off. Um... And Claudia Winkleman was on my team, and then she took a beat with me, my team member. She took a moment. She took a moment, Claude. And everyone calls her Claude. They're like, Claude, darling, Claude, you're tan, Claude, the fringe, Claude. And I was like, Claude, you know. (laughs) And she takes a moment, and she goes, you were wonderful. Like, she really wanted me to know I had done well with the opportunity I got. Mm. And she's like, you were wonderful. And I was like, oh, that, thank you. And she's like, w- wonderful. Eh, Sarah, I'm going to follow you on everything. Everything. I'll follow you on everything. And I was like, something in that felt very sincere. She is going to follow me on everything because I'm a charismatic person. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I'm very good at befriending women. And like, this is how it happens kisses, kisses. I'll follow you on everything. I was like, I'm grabbing the Claudia rocket. <laughs> and I'm taking off. Stratosphere, here she comes. Claudia followed me on nothing. (laughs) I didn't get one follow.
2: So anytime we ever see her on TV, if we're watching Strictly, if we're watching Traitors, it's it's like there's a ticking clock before one of us says to the other, (laughs) darling, I'll I'll follow follow you you on on everything.
1: everything. (laughs) But I just want to say I'm such a fucking fan.
2: And you think of the many vehicles which showcase her talent, the traitors is the one. I love watching Claudia talk them through
1: the challenges.
2: Here's what I want to hear from people who watch The Traitors about. It feels like I was <laughs> feels like I was really going improvisational jazz with syntax there.
1: I liked it. Did you end on a preposition? What was so weird about it? I, don't I liked know. It. Don't okay. Okay. it. Don't question it. Okay. Don't question it.
2: Do you hate the challenges? I just think everyone hates the challenges. They're just there to pad out the bits between people either gossiping or speaking home truths to each other
1: it's it's the bit of filler in an otherwise all killer show but do you think that is just us no, i can't imagine that anyone is entertained by them
2: i just don't want to see someone sailing or somebody's swimming and trying
1: to get to a target and setting a thing on fire and hoisting a rope because it's supposed to be like showing us more of the people's character but it's not and they'll say things like oh because you know in a stressful situation that's when someone's character really comes out. People say this shit all the time, and I think it's complete bullshit. The day-to-day grind yes. of life is what shows someone's character more than an emergency. We can all look like the best person or the worst person in an emergency But really, we're all just like sacks of shit in the day to day. And that's what it really is. That's who you really are. Oh, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. So
2: the programme gives you the impression that at the end of each day, they all go back to their individual lodgings (laughs) somewhere on this estate in Scotland. Now, we did a podcast for the US version of the Traitors at the beginning of last year, hoping to piggyback on it and cash in on it, right? Yeah, which jump he, on that bandwagon.
1: Yeah, which I was never embarrassed by. You were very embarrassed that we did it, but I thought we it was a swing and
2: and I enjoyed watching it. Blah 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 blah. But anyway, because we did that podcast, we spoke to some of the contestants mm-hmm. and we learned about some of the mm-hmm. behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, they all go off and sleep at I don't know if it's Premier Inn or Travel Lodge on an industrial estate somewhere and they're, they're sealed off from each other and they just have to sit in the rooms watching Netflix and they're not allowed mobile phones and, and whatever. But on the show what they clearly do is they film these little videos of them going to bed in a very luxurious castle, four-poster bed, ornate Nate. Mm. Environment, velvets and silks, and and they try and give you a sense of who the contestants are while they're doing it. So they've got some beefcake.
1: He exercises, pumping
2: iron, and then there's one young woman. And honest to God, it was they 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 filmed her as if they were about to deflower her.
1: Yeah, it was like the camera was going to fuck her. But so do you think she said? Because I think the people who make the traders are classy, yes. right? And they're not exploitative. So I cannot imagine that in 2023. They're saying to like a 20 something beautiful woman, just um, would you lay down on your back and then um, just arch your back slightly and just mouth open. They're, they're not doing that.
2: But, but it also seems unlikely that a 22 year old woman is saying, I'll lie on the bed and then I want you to pan across me. As well, a- then,
1: I don't know what's going on because that is crazy if they asked her to do that. Should we try and get it cancelled? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, part of the gameplay is each night the traitors gather to choose one of the contestants that they're going to murder, mm-hmm. which means at breakfast the next morning, you see them all arriving and trying to work out which one has gone. Mm-hmm. That breakfast room is it's, it's it is my idea of a nightmare. It's why I won't really go to destination weddings, because... I don't want to have to make small talk with the other guests the next morning.
1: That is fucking horrible. That's why I never want to stay in basically anyone's house. Even if I stay in my parents' house, which is where I grew up, in the morning... Can't even talk to my mother. And we're so close.
2: Um, What do you have to say to somebody who has never watched The Traitors, but they very politely listened through all this because they hang on your every word, Sarah?
1: I don't care to convince you. I'll restate that. I don't give a shit whether or not you watch. But if you want something that isn't painful, if you want something unbelievably addictive, if you think, you know what? I would like to watch what Sarah, the genius, (laughs) says is the highest-end reality TV, I recommend this to you. It is so pleasing.
2: Are you watching The Traitors? If not, why not? Mm -hmm. Given that you've undoubtedly had many people saying to you, no, no, it's better than other reality shows, what is it in you that's holding out going, "Uh uh-uh, no thanks? Also, if you are watching it, do you despise the challenges? And has a famous person ever followed you on everything? (laughs) Have you ever been in that situation <laughs> where you thought I met a famous person and and, and we really hit it off? This I think is this is going to become
1: something. <laughs> oh, the pain of it all. Well, Claude, I think about you. I Every love day. You. No, but I think about her. But I think about her twice a month, and I wish her all the very best.
2: The email address is
1: Off at firecottagenormcore
2: and coming up next, only one of the funniest people in the country talking about panel shows. She's one of these people who who really, she's an actor and a writer, and yet she goes on these shows, and she can either hold her own with or is funnier than the, the funniest stand-ups in the country.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: She's that good. She's a team captain on the British version of Password, which is coming to ITV1 and ITVX. It's Daisy Mae Cooper.
1: They like
2: What would you be doing if you didn't have the honour of being on a podcast at
0: the moment? I would probably be, my big thing at the moment is ghost videos. Oh, so you be- you believe? You're a believer. Oh,
1: oh a thousand percent. thousand percent. You,
2: Sarah, Sarah wants to be a believer.
1: I want to oh. be a believer and I'm, I'm not. I've always
0: been fascinated by ghosts. Never seen anything until I moved to this completely new build. Nobody's ever lived in it. And I've been having so much activity that's not just been witnessed by me, been witnessed by my PA, an ex-boyfriend of mine, my dad, my co-writer, her partner. It's just mental. But seeing a ghost for the first time, it was the most underwhelming experience of my life. It's bizarre because it happened so quickly. It was like a solid thing, like tangible. What Did, did it look like a person? This is so weird, you'll laugh, but, oh. but we've got a theory about what's going on. So we think that it's a kind of time lapse. So what we're experiencing in the house is the people who move in after me, as we've seen uh, there was there been a bloke in like a barber jacket that was out by the hot tub, and we all ran out there, Then there was nobody there. So it's like very modern kind of... Have you, have you ever had
1: any issues with stalkers? <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> Oh, God. No, it's a bit bizarre.
1: Very interesting. The other interesting part of the detail here, Daisy, which I have picked up on, is I'm curious to know, what is your ex-boyfriend doing in your new build? (laughs)
0: Yeah, I want to fucking know that too. What buff. the fuck is he doing in oh, your space? he can fuck off. He can, he fuck, can absolutely off. fuck off. He <laughs> doesn't
1: get to be in your new place that you bought with your showbiz money. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad he's gone. Thank God. Are you good at downtime? Are you good at like having time off and yeah, relaxing? Yeah, I'm, I'm too
0: good at that. And that means I don't get anything done. I meant to be writing the second series of my show, Am I Being Unreasonable? And because I got paid for it in advance two years ago, it's like, what oh, is my happening? God. Hang on. That fucking scared the shit out of me. There's just a ghostly
2: moment. <laughs>
0: what was you that? You guys didn't do that. No. How did that happen? Are those
2: balloons in, in the space that you're in?
1: No. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god, I know what it was. I genuinely feel that it was the ghostly presence being like I'm 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 warm. I'm warm. in her new build, <gasps> but I'm like warm. This is your positive new space and What's I'm the ghost only a benevolent saying, go, go girl. Yeah, it was saying go girl. <laughs> the ghost was saying go girl. Okay, so wait. Our next question was going to be about the second season of Am I Being Unreasonable? Yes. Can you take us through, what are you and Celine, do you have to sit in a room together to work? How does that that process go?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the process is we'll sit down and we'll say, we've got to get this done. And then she'll say, do you want to watch the next episode of Married at First Sight UK? And there will be six episodes in. And our producer will be on the phone saying, where's the work? And we say, oh, we'll send it to you. It's just a bit of a dodgy internet connection. <laughs> She's just as lazy as I am, which is t- terrible for getting stuff done. And we got some money in advance, which is the worst thing that you can do. Oh, when you've because... already been paid for something. Oh, I, don't want to... I spent that money fucking ages yeah, yeah. ago. I don't <laughs> want to fucking do any work <laughs> for that now. So it has been like pulling teeth. But I tell you, it's been really difficult, this series. Because I think there were so many twists and turns in that first one, people will be expecting that, the second one. So it's like, what do we do different? And it took us a while. We literally went through every avenue there possibly could be. But I think we've found the way now to go forward. And I think that it will be surprising, but in a a way that you've not seen yet. That's good to know because I love
2: that first series so much and it ended so perfectly. Oh, well, I, I thought, I wonder if it even occurred to them that there might be a second series.
0: Well, I didn't bloody want that to be, but then they said, look, here's some money. And I said, oh, absolutely. I'll just worry about the second series at the time, which is the worst. We've, they've even commissioned a fucking third series, which is just, yeah. I've, I haven't been paid for that yet, but it's just, yeah, pay me after I do it, do the work. That's your, that's your yeah, advice it is hard. to your a, future employers. And
2: are the two of you, like, are you sitting at desks? Are you sitting on sofa? Are you lounging around? No.
0: Oh, sofas. There's a lot of me walking around vaping, her typing. It's like, it's so difficult because it sounds really wanky, but it is a, a bit like waiting for lightning to strike. I mean, nine times out of 10, what you put down will be fucking shit until you're inspired by a thought. And then it just rolls. Yep, it's yep. kind of effortless.
1: When you talk about how lazy you are, like, is the amount of success that you've had and how lauded your projects have been, has that affected the way you think about your own laziness? Like, did you, was it a source of like real self-hatred a decade ago? Whereas now are you kind of like, fuck it, I'm making some good shit that people are liking. Like, so whatever this laziness is, I'm I'm quite entitled to it because it is part of what helps you make something really good. Do you know what? There is a bit of entitlement and
0: I think fucking hell I've deserved this until the money runs out of the bank and the fucking tax man's knocking at the door and suddenly I turn into like Rocky Balboa and I just need to start writing and get back in the ring again. But I literally need to be pushed to that extreme to get anything done. I'll give you some laziness if you can compete with this.
2: Sometimes... I won't answer the door to the Amazon parcel man because I know he'll just leave it behind the bins anyway and I can save myself getting out of bed.
0: Yeah. Oh, I do that all the time. I do that unless I know that I've got to do some work and then I will use that man as the procrastination. So I'll
1: corner him for 20 minutes and talk to him when he wants to get off. Are you at a stage now where if you have an idea where you think, ooh, this is what I'd like to do next, it just gets made? Or do you still have gatekeepers that are kind of difficult for you to move past?
0: I think without sounding like a a twat, I think it does get made, but I don't do that very often. And I'm so lucky that, you know, the BBC trusts me that when I go to them with something and say, I think there's something in this that they go, oh, fuck it. Here you go. Here's some money
1: up front. (laughs) Go write it. To which I just don't do anything. What what are you likely to spend? Like, what's like the thing that you go splurge on? Is it holidays? Is it clothes, meals, everything? Oh, it's, do you know what it is? It's fucking
0: plastic crap. You know, like shops like The Range or Home Sense or Home Bargains. I think it's just like an instant gratification thing, Mm -hmm. especially because, you know, grew grew up not having anything. So now it's like, oh, I've got to have things. But my mum's a hoarder and I've got to be so careful of not getting into that territory. How bad is the hoarding? She hoards her dead pets in the freezer. What? Oh, how many are in there now? She's got a dead parrot in the freezer. She's got three budgies. She's got a cockatoo. I think that's all that's in there at the minute. I'm not sure if the dogs in there. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, But yeah, well, yeah. Just,
2: what is the plan? Is it like Walt Disney? She's hoping that they'll be able to
0: <laughs> bring them back some. I reanimate them. She just like, oh, I just don't know where I want to bury them yet. And it's like, no, you just don't want to get rid of them. It would mean it's mental. And she thinks I need bloody therapy. But she's <laughs> like, that was everything. I gave her some money the other day. She went out and bought three exercise bikes from charity shops, one of which doesn't work. She's got four wheelchairs she's bought that are in the garden, right? And she's never needed them, but she's bought them just in case she needs them. And one of them, you know, like um, The Last of Us, it's got, like, vines that have grown around, <laughs> Like it's, uh, like, an apocalyptic fucking... Oh my god,
2: it's mad! I is it like a relay? Are they arranged in different points that she'd be able to
0: tip herself from one into another. What's what's the system? <laughs> like they're just sporadically out there. And do you know what is so fucking funny, right? So my partner has got a son who broke his collarbone, and we needed to, when we went on holiday to the Isle of Wight. I, ph- I phoned up mum and I said, "Do you have a wheelchair that we can borrow?" <laughs> And she said no. She said no.
1: Can you fucking, fucking believe that? Oh, it's great. How That's um, unreal. How often do you speak with her?
0: Oh, I, often, unfortunately. <laughs> no, she's great. She's just completely mental. She's so mad. And do you know what's so funny? My dad, who plays Martin Mucklow, works with hoarders that's his job is that how they met no so he he did it to try and help my mum, and she won't listen to him so they're still together
1: yeah, yeah it's mad i am i'm gonna bring this background to am i being unreasonable if i oh, may yes absolutely what, and then and then and then i can even segue from there on to password which i believe is what they would like oh us. yes I was wondering, when you work on panel shows, does it even feel like work to you because you're not having to write anything? It is
0: brilliant because you just get to fart around. But I'm totally out of my comfort zone because I'm not like a stand-up comic. And are you keeping scores in your head of of whether stuff's landed and got a laugh in the studio? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But there's nothing more worse than if you do a joke that doesn't land and you just... can can watch yourself slowly losing confidence over the episodes (laughs) and just getting quieter and and
1: more small oh it's awful and does that still happen to you like you're far enough into buzzcocks now like I would assume that you feel comfortable enough with the other people on that show that you can kind of go out and nail it or do you still have episodes where you feel like you're trying shit and it's just
0: Oh, I think I think everybody has that. But I, do you know what? It's gotten so much easier. Now we've got to know each other more. I mean, they're such brilliant guys. And I feel like they're little sister and they really look after me. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of panel shows that are really competitive. I think it was Mock the Week, wasn't it? Where you had to fight. Not only did you have to be funny, but you had to really fight to find your chance to be funny. And that's fucking hard.
1: What was it like when you were a, a host on um, Drag Race? How did that come to be? Did they come to you? Were you like a super fan, and you went to them?
0: I mean, I, there, a, they came to me, and I was—I've never been so happy. That was—I think M- Michelle Visage is one of the most emotionally intelligent, kind, interesting, funny, clever people I've ever met in my entire life. And I mean, of course, like Rue is incredible. And so, this amazing presence is so funny. You must have, like, in terms of
2: those shows where they have people sort of coming in for an episode or, or two, or even a series, you must have pick of it at this stage in your career, though.
0: Oh, I don't know. The phones sort of stopped ringing. <laughs> <laughs> so mean,
2: well, maybe you peaked with
0: Masked Singer. Oh, God. Oh, I did enjoy that, though. That was so fun. But, so, oh, my God, it was exhausting. Being in those costumes, my God. That, I remember being on, on stage and getting, like, critique from Stephen Mulhan that went on for 20 minutes and thinking, I'm going to fucking pass out. Oh, <laughs> it was God. awful. Yeah. And you've got to be so animated all the time. Otherwise, it just doesn't, nothing comes across. But, my God. When I got kicked off, I was absolutely <laughs> over the fucking moon. Because you yeah. get paid the same whether you get kicked off in the first week or you get kicked off in the last week. Yeah. So, oh. Did you get any say in being an otter? No. You get shown a few costumes at the beginning. So I think there was one was a gnome, but you couldn't really move in it. And then there was another which was kind of just a big storm cloud. And then I saw the offer, I was like, "Yeah, I gotta fucking go for that." <laughs> it just looks so fun and cute.
1: With, with stuff like this, when these offers come, do you have to play a little bit hard to get, or oh, they just no. make the offer and you're like, "Yep, yeah, I'll be doing that."
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I get my my agent will email me and say, "You know, Mars Singer have got on the phone," and I say, "How much?" and they tell me, and I go, "Yeah, please." <laughs> yeah.
1: Are you um? Do That'll you...
0: keep your mum in wheelchairs
1: <laughs> for a
2: decade. <laughs>
1: Do you have American ambitions or are you like, eh, fuck it, I got my new build, I got my kids?
0: Oh, for the right money, i do fucking anything, I, I think, f- other than anal. Yes! <laughs> I would do it. you I will sell out. I'm not. But I'm in that respect, I'm not kind of ruthlessly ambitious. I know that there's people that will sort of go on holidays with casting directors and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of that shit, and I can't. I just, everything in my being... I can't schmooze like that. I'm surprised one of those yeah, big directors,
2: like um, what's-his-face, like, Judd Apatow. Like, you know, they're always like really into British comedy and like, you'd expect how either become obsessed with this country or being unrucible and then, then they put you as the funny best friend in a film. As
0: Oh, yeah. No, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody
1: cares. <laughs> I wonder if that's <laughs> not happening. That's,
2: that's got to be coming.
1: That's it's got to be it's... coming. Do you have... A best friend. I know, is C- Celine your best friend? My best friend, my soulmate, like everything. She's my your soulmate. Everything. She's the one.
2: And is that friendship so pure that when either of you have had success so early on straight out of drama school, she gets cast in Land Girls, then you go on to create this country. You, you only feel joy for each other's success. Or is it just a little little bit of it eats away at you?
0: Oh, no. Do you know what? We didn't talk for fucking ages. I wanted to cast her in this country as this bully girl called Tracy Chambers. And it just so happened that um, the part was cut. And I was so awful and pathetic. I I just didn't have the heart to tell her. And I just couldn't phone her and tell her. And so the more she chased me trying to find out what was going on, the more I ghosted her. And it was like one of the fucking worst things that ever happened to us. And, what and is, she was is that like devastated. a fear of like,
2: having to give oh, uncomfortable confronta- news?
0: Yes, I can't bear
1: it. I'd rather have my arm be taken off by a bus. Do you feel that anything about it has made you more able to be confrontational? Oh, I definitely could now.
0: Uh, that, do you know what that comes from? I had no self-esteem back then and I didn't... Uh, and we've been, Charlie and I were fucked over by so many kind of uh, production companies and sort of crappy agents and stuff like that. It's so much easier now. Where did you get your self-esteem from?
1: BAFTAs. <laughs> I winning a few BAFTAs.
2: <laughs> oh, so I've got no chance.
1: <laughs> but is that, you know, that's like such a funny thing to say. And I imagine to some extent it's true. But is, is that a little bit... I would imagine that like, like professional validation actually does kind of help you understand your worth, whether in a relationship or in a professional meeting, you know? Yeah. It's so weird because you want
0: this thing, like the BAFTA and having validation and success was something I'd wanted to be able to prove to the world that I had something to offer. And when that happened... It's so strange because it doesn't really fucking validate anything. It actually just makes you ask more questions and it makes you think, actually, who am I? And does my career define who I am? It's been such a fucking roller coaster, And especially like with the show, because with this country, a lot of my family were in that. Like I wrote that with my brother and I had my dad in it. And that in some ways it brought us together, but it really pulled us apart as well. It's bizarre. Do you have much fear about sustaining the lifestyle through till retirement? Oh, absolutely. I've got to figure out a sort of business. You know, like how Holly Willoughby went into that. Was it Wild Moon or something? I've got to come up with something else that's not to do with... The industry. Do you want to really, like invest in candles or something? Yeah, <laughs> you do. Oh, God. Yeah, I've got to think of something
1: fast. Daisy, as you've been talking about everything to do with money, you are describing jeff your fundamental essence i mean it's it could all be coming out of your mouth except you're not successful the the big difference
2: is i I am past the successful phase of my career as well now i'm like a a horrible warning from the future about what could happen (laughs) if you don't start investing in a candles business
1: should you we should we should yeah before before we we let you go
2: um, we want to know what to watch so apart from you've mentioned married at first sight Mm -hmm. you've mentioned drag race what should we be watching
0: Password.
1: you got to watch Password. We're going to watch Password.
0: That's it. What should we be watching that you're not in? Oh, God, I'm not in. I like like botched. I just love crap reality TV. That's my go-to. That's, that's my go-to. comfort. Oh, absolutely. So is botched but. surgery gone wrong? Is that what...
1: Yeah, or, or it's like yes. they've had bad surgery and then you're going to see these two doctors and they're going to make it all better for you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Absolutely.
2: Isn't she the greatest?
1: She's one of these people, she's so funny that it just makes you feel like, why even try? But listen, someone has to be not the cream, not rising to the top. Someone's <laughs> got to be the middle. I'll be the middle.
2: Yeah, otherwise, where would the cream be going?
1: Yeah, I'm here to serve her excellence, genuinely. So generous with her time as well.
2: And look out for password on ITV1 and ITVX.
1: you want to tap on the door?
2: Hello? Mr. Inbox, is that you? I'm... It's still
1: cold weather, so I'm sticking around. I got a full belly this week, and my mama was happy and satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) This first email (laughs) comes from Jade. She writes, Hello there, Sarah and Jeff. I am a decade-long, well-meaning, but now very worn-out primary school teacher based in southeast London... Who has neither joined a Patreon or emailed into a favorite podcast before? Jade,
2: I'm honored. And is it, when you were thinking of these wealthy people? Is it the I mean, famously overpaid primary school teachers oh, who God. you're thinking of with the disposable income?
1: I know, but you've, Jade, you've hectored
2: her into giving us money.
1: Jade, I know you're overworked and underpaid, but I need to get my eyes done, <laughs> and I need my jumpers for my front. Edge. <laughs> Okay, so I've invited dreams over the last month and having heard about your obsession with Everest, then she, in parentheses, she writes, me too. I have finally been moved to do both. Jade, thank you for joining the Patreon. She continues, again, I am obsessed with Everest documentaries, with their standard inevitable deaths and their protagonists with harrowing life stories, which led them to where they are. Can you psychoanalyze those of us that are hooked on these docs? Um, Jade. Here's a little hint for anyone. If you feel like you write in and I don't ever read your email, all you got to do is say, Sarah, would you mind psychoanalyzing this for me? Okay, yes, Jade. Happy to do this for you.
2: Can you just remind any newer listeners of... New listeners.
1: I love I love Everest. What else do you need to know?
2: Can you just remind any newer listeners of what your qualification is for psychoanalyzing people? Oh, zero. Right.
1: I just think I'm like fucking really smart about this shit. Also, I love... The opioid crisis, not like that, and Mount Everest. Okay, these are my these are my areas. So, what Jade has picked up on, I have as well, is that people who do extreme sports, they got to screw loose. <laughs> like no really happy person climbs to the top of a Mount Everest, and that's part of why it's interesting
2: because they can seem like very positive sure goal oriented sure.
1: yeah so i don't know then be into your gym routine or whatever climb doing a thing where you could maybe die isn't brave it means you're damaged <laughs> i will never go to the top of mount everest so the the forbidden nature of it for myself as a sane person really intrigues me. And I'm also intrigued by people who don't seem to know how disturbed they are. I always like a person who, like, thinks that something is coming from a good place when it's coming from a bad place. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people who do extreme shit, it's coming from a place of pain. Like, I'm like, sorry for your pain. <laughs> marathon runners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, like, old news. What are you running from? We all know that that idea. Like, marathon runners, I refuse to watch a marathon. Why? i would never want to watch someone push themselves and i have a friend who's a marathoner and she ran the london marathon she's like please come watch me i was like i can't i'm so sorry like my bottom line is i'm not going to do it but i'm a pushover and she's quite aggressive so she kept badgering me and i was like oh okay mm. she's like you don't understand it's going to be exhilarating and i was like you don't understand my limits but i'm fucking going to do it for you because i don't want to keep arguing with you i said can you guarantee me a mile at which you'll want to see someone, so I'm doing the job you want me to do for you, even though you're fucking electing to do this, whatever. (laughs) She says something like, mile not, come to mile nine. Like mile nine is not insane. I'm thinking I once ran six miles. That sounds reasonable. Okay, fine. I show up at mile nine. Is this going on too long? Yes, but keep going. I show up at mile nine, instantly wept. I was so overcome by the emotion. It was beautiful. Okay. Jade asked me to psychoanalyze and I got so excited that I just psychoanalyzed, but then she gives some of her own suggestions, which I'm going to now read. Okay. Is it scenic transportation? Not for me, but maybe for you. Is it the connection with fellow childhood traumatized individuals? Maybe. We've all got some baggage. Is it living vicariously through someone else pushing themselves to reckless but inspirational limits? No, because I find that gross. Jade finishes. These days, I will branch out further, and I'll give any documentary involving an extreme sport or passion in nature a go. Okay, so Jade is much more active than I am. One of your guests recently recommended a 100-foot wave, which I devoured and really enjoyed, even though I've only tried surfing once and won't be rushing to get to the pack of the waves anytime soon. I started that. I know it was good but I you know how I am with this podcast, Jade. I gotta I gotta stick to the really, really fine stuff. Jade, my husband is rolling his eyes at me because I took so long to make it through your email, but it's because I loved it so much. Everest forever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, this comes from Bromwyn who says, Hi, FCNNC, self-appointed Antipodean correspondent dialing in from Melbourne. Having lived in both Australia and the UK and being burdened with a mid-January birthday. The 14th. Thanks for asking.
1: Happy almost birthday.
2: I think this is a complicated question. Our summer break is punctuated with public holidays, the Christmas ones, New Year's, then the increasingly tricky Australia Day stroke Invasion Day stroke Survival Day on January the 26th, whereas the English summer break seemed to go on forever with no landmarks. I loved my January birthday in the UK where it was something to look forward to in the post-Christmas midwinter gloom. Here it's a weird time where half of your friends are likely to be away. Kids are still on holes, but most adults have returned to work and year by the year, the chances of your immediate surroundings being on fire are increasing.
1: I really love the kind of Debbie Downer quality to Bronwyn. (laughs) It's like, and year by year, the country's burning. What about the complicated Independence Day?
2: Anyway, while at home over Christmas, my murder-as-entertainment-loving parents have got me watching Annika, which is a police procedural. Boo!
1: See, she's such a Debbie Downer! (laughs) Bronwyn, I love it.
2: Set in Scotland with slightly Nordic vibes. Yes, I think it might be... One of those guys who wrote something like The Killing or The Bridge or mm. something. It's formulaic but fun with regular fourth wall breakage. And take note, there is a hot psychiatrist. Have you watched it?
1: No. no. Put it on our list.
2: Send in some Aussie sun to your bleak midwinter, Bron.
1: This next email is from Arabella. She writes, dear FC and NC, I'm an avid listener and a GP. I knew oh, you were no. out there. Oh, so no. many docs.
2: Anybody who's a medical professional, you you don't know what portal you've opened now. Well,
1: I'll say this. A few doctors wrote in. So shout out to the so, other So docs. you've got
2: a line of communication to doctors.
1: I didn't take advantage of them. So I didn't okay. write. I, if you are a doctor and you wrote in this week, thank you so much. Much, And I'm not writing back out of respect for your profession, not out of a disrespect for the favor that you did me. So thank you for all your recommendations. Now,
2: you know, you're not going to stop treating them like an email version of one, one, one.
1: I might. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that right now. Here's what Arabella says. And here's why her email is one I'm including. I'm an avid listener and a GP. Here are three suggestions for your Veruca. Number one, cover them or it in gaffer tape a big enough bit to also cover quite a lot of the surrounding skin. I think this works because the friction the tape causes on the verruca al- alerts your immune system to attack. Brilliant fucking doctor. Number two, apparently banana skins work, but I can't imagine anyone preferring to stick a banana skin to their foot rather than putting up with the Veruca. Number three, leave it and learn to love it. As soon as you genuinely love it, it will go. <laughs> And then in brackets, she writes, because she's being serious as a doctor. Eventually, your immune system will find it. It usually takes a year or so. Now, first of all, Arabella, thank you so much. Three hours before Arabella emailed me, I got a text from my mother, which I would now like to read. BTW. This is apropos of nothing. She just sends it. BTW. Four warts. Either or try both, but not at the same time. Banana peel or electrical tape. And it instantly annoys me because when my mother gives her what she would call her sort of woo-woo recommendations that require actual doctor advice or proper medication, it really, it's a trigger moment between me and my mother. So I completely ignore this and do, I get it and I just go, roll my eyes. That's what I just did. Then I get this email from Arabella. And then I write my mom because then I feel bad and I want to be nice. So I say, just to let you know, I rolled my ass when I got this. But then two hours later, I got the exact same thing from an actual doctor. And then my mother wrote in all caps, you've made
2: my day. Oh, you've encouraged her. You've, you've given a vindication and you've encouraged her. She
1: felt validated. Do you think our marriage can survive me, Gaffer, taping my feet every night?
2: I just feel that that is more of the same. <laughs> Fair. Um, Sarah Mankant thinks we should watch Animal Kingdom on Amazon Prime It follows a fucked up crime family through their various criminal escapades And dysfunctional family relationships
1: She went on and on about how great it is
2: Lauren Rook thinks we should watch Transparent, Hacks and Beef We've done two out of three You've seen all of Transparent, right?
1: I think there was a point where I fell off, but I watched more than you did Hacks
2: we've seen and you like it more than I do, but I am looking forward to it coming back. I think when it's good, it's really good.
1: When it annoys you, it really it's annoys It's really you. cheesy.
2: And then Beef we watched an episode of and I quite liked, but never had the click with it, so maybe.
1: No, and I think it just won all these Golden Globes last but night.
2: Ma- maybe maybe we should. Oh, we won Golden Globes last night, didn't we? Did we? Go on. Succession. Because I, I consider us <laughs> now. part of the t- <laughs> yeah. And Ellie Stewart thinks we should watch After the Party. It's supposed to be this fab Kiwi show.
1: Yes, and someone else recommended that to us in the last couple of weeks. So we're trying to... Have you watched After the Party? Get a swell of momentum. Tell us that this is going to be the next great Antipodean sitch that we need to delve into down under. Our email address is... Fuck off at firecratchandnormcore.com <laughs>
2: This week, Daisy Mae Cooper liked to watch Password, which is coming soon to ITV1 and ITVX, which she was promoting. Uh, Married at First Sight, which is on Channel 4. Drag Race, the UK version on iPlayer. International versions on Netflix and WoW Presents Plus. A
1: couple of the last seasons on Netflix. Also, if anyone can wait in to tell me where I can right- watch all the seasons up till season 12, I still can't find it.
2: And she likes to watch Botched, which you can find on ITVX or Prime. Sarah likes to watch Saltburn, which is available now to stream on Amazon Prime Video. I like to watch Based on a True Story, which I think is on Peacock, which you can get through Sky and Now TV. And we like to watch The Traitors on BBC iPlayer.
1: What a week of good TV we've had! What a week. Yeah, there's been no shit up in that bitch. Daddy. Well, a little bit of snow today. Maybe a lot of snow where you are. Crazy shit happening up in Canada. Is that right? Yep, read that on the news. (laughs) My favorite part of the news is the weather. I don't know if we've ever talked about that before. You love the weather. Oh, God, do I love the weather? (laughs) Give me a weather report. Because I was like, who's still watching the
2: weather? We've all got an app on our phone. Turns out it's my wife, Sarah Barron. I
1: can relate to the weather.
2: You were watching the one show earlier.
1: I was, I fell asleep to the one show. Oh, okay. I was so makes, exhausted and I went, sense. can I just have like, can I have like 45 minutes? And you said yes. And so just put on, as you like to call it, terrestrial TV. And that's what it was on. <laughs> it wasn't my favorite thing I've ever seen. But you know what? You know what? 2024, not going to be so negative. How is it going to build me up to shit on the one show? I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> I go with God, I go with grace. <laughs> I go with positive energy towards the one (laughs) show and all other fabulous television that we will discover together in the new year. Bye-bye!